and welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. on <laughs> i know i feel like a pilot actually <laughs> <laughs> maybe you are uh for some people <laughs> that's true yeah in multiple ways actually yeah Pi- pilot is a is a, a multi-dimensional term really too because there's mm. like a like pilot in your oven too as well right to heat it mm. up. and the first episode of shows ah. a pilot right mm. big yeah. flight who's the driver yeah. I love that. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to see you. Um, I mean, yeah, let's just, I mean, we'll crank into So uh, you've been on the podcast before, so people can definitely go check out those. Um, and I also think it's like exciting to go see just y- you and me both, our growth. I'm sure that we've like expanded yeah. so much since even those episodes, you know, like just within the last few years. So like we've been, you know, throughout throughout this journey, I feel like of self-exploration and, and trying to like serve people and whatever that means to us. And I feel like you and I always, every few months we intertwine and we have like these intense, like synchronistic moments through Instagram messages and, and meeting up and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's always beautiful. So um, I will definitely include like a bio of yours so people can kind of get filled in on who you are and what your background is and kind of what, what led you here. So assume that is below you. Um, but otherwise, like, like, how are you, Jay? What, what have you been up to? What, what's going on? Thank you so much. Yeah, the gro- witnessing your growth is just especially from where we come from. So those of you who don't know us, we've been we've seen each other in it. You know, I met Jake at a house party. I think I was like 15. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I can like go back to that memory. And we both actually connected because our parents were in recovery or still currently using. So we kind of had that like we know what it's mm-hmm. like to have parents of substance abuse, you know? So I feel like even though we were, I was drinking and quote, quote, lost, I feel like our connection has always been like solid, you know, even before we knew what solid meant as connections, I feel like in the beginning when he said that growth is so true because when you live where we live, a lot of people don't get out of it. They don't grow. I live where we live and it's, I witness people who never exit the cement, the dandelions that never sprout in that cement, you know? And I feel like for us, we are those dandelions that you see in between those cracks, especially coming from Longview, Kelso area where it's not really, the energy doesn't really support and nourish growth for thinking outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of want us to follow X, Y, Z, work at the mill till you die. This is just the way it is. You know, you were there, you were at the mill, weren't you? Like yeah, you kind of years. were like, yeah. And I remember like you've been making music and I'm like, this is your full-time job. Like go for it. Like I've always seen that in you. Like 
the entrepreneurship and like just the growth really comes from being an entrepreneurship, like leading that ship of service, which you kind of touched on. And how I'm doing is just being of service with every single connection I have. That's why the Celestian Prophecy, I recommend it to you because it's really crazy that that book is just getting into your awareness because that book completely changed my life. Um, it's a true story, but it's all about being of service and being open to being of service. And what I mean by that, service doesn't mean you have to be in the service industry, right? It's actually checking out at a gas station and looking them in the eyes and being like, how are you feeling today? That's service. Like it gives me goosebumps because mm, it's like, I got it oh, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's like that to me is being of service, mm. going on here and talking about being of service. Like I personally, I'm in the service industry, you know, as a full-time Reiki practitioner, water, la, 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 right? My job, how I get paid is to be of service, but I also choose to be of service with, with every interaction I have. Like I literally, and I believe that everyone that I come in contact with, they have a message for me. Mm -hmm. Truly. If you like, don't look at what they're look like, get out of like how people are like presented and like. I go like, what does this person have to actually offer me? And the book talks about that. Everyone that you meet, there's a message there. Mm. And when you, and it's keys, it's kind of like we're on like this map, like life, like, right? Like forward life. And everyone you meet is like, it doesn't matter what their role is. We each have, you know, when you're really in tune and you're really connected to the consciousness of oneness, which I am, I realize everyone I'm seeing is myself. So what does myself have to teach myself? Mm. You know, it's like mm. this constant mirror, this constant like reflection. And I've noticed since I've really honored and accepted the oneness that I don't get triggered by people's actions anymore. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh. Well, well it, it's, I mean, I feel like when you show up and you're really here with someone like, you know, someone who's you, you're at a cash, you know, you go to a gas station, a convenience store and, and that person is going through the motions and they're thinking about their own thing. And everyone's just like, yeah, hello. Hey, how are you? And it's just <laughs> no eye contact. And it's just the money exchange, or whatever. Boom, boom, boom. They don't exchange energy. And then suddenly you get like someone, someone like you or I in there and we're like, how are you really? Hi. And, and they're just, uh, you know, in, in a, so, so I, what's interesting and I, I'm, I'm over halfway through of, of the, uh, uh, Celestine process. I'm mispronouncing it. The, the book that you recommended, um, is it Celestine process or Celestian? Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, it is the, the synchronistic nature of everything involved in that book is just mind blowing. It's, I've been so excited to talk to you about it just because you recommended it in a synchronistic way, because I had this like amazing conversation the night before with a coworker who mentioned it. And um, it's just been wild. But but so something that I was talking with that same coworker that relates back to this situation of us going to the convenience store and kind of being able to pull someone out of um, their their loops and their cycles of, of our uh, who we think ourselves to be. When you show up in a situation. From a place of service, you're not thinking about yourself, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing you, you're blocking synchronicities when you're thinking about yourself and that seems like well what do you mean by that but i think that you'll notice if you walk around in life um and, and you feel like you're not connecting with people you're not having these synchronicities are you thinking about yourself what what's the mm -hmm. loop playing uh, are you feeling sorry for yourself are you um trying to benefit yourself are you trying to how do i get what i want so i can be this so i can feel this that thing that you're trying to feel in the end if you keep asking yourself these questions why am i thinking about myself 
<laughs> it's just here. It's just being with with people that you're meeting. You're trying to arrive at a place where you're not neurotically just constantly thinking about yourself. So the act of service, I, I would love to expand on service, Jay, because I have mm-hmm. come. Um, the, I, I was I think I was mentioning about it the last like month or so, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I've actually come back around to like rereading some like Christianity type stuff and, mm-hmm. and listening to like some I'm coming to an understanding. I used to have such a block about it. Same. And I was I love all this Eastern philosophy. And I'm like, that's the way. And and recently I've like come full circle to understand what's what's being said in like Christian. And I, I feel like service is so big, but I think it's often misunderstood um, yes. um, in, in a lot of these. So, yeah, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about service. What, what do you have to expand yeah. on that? Yeah, it's interesting. So I never grew up religious. I've been to church like a few times. I had too many questions, honestly, that couldn't be answered, which I know that that's probably common. Um, but I'm also not a follower. Let's just put that out there. And I, in anything I do, I feel like I'm always like trying to just be myself. And I felt that I feel like when it comes to the Christian, you know, this is going to be triggering for a lot of people who are quote unquote, maybe brainwashed. We are taught that service is to get to somewhere better after this life. And sometimes with that Christian mindset, they're serving for the afterlife. They're thinking, mm-hmm. well, where am I going? Because they have that, well, if I'm bad, I'm going to hell, if I'm good. And then they have they have that. So when you're coming of place to be of service from the idea that you're going to go somewhere better after this, you might not be in alignment. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm giving this person $10 because Jesus up there is keeping track of X, Y, Z of my good deeds. Yeah. Like it's Santa and, Claus on the naughty and nice list or something. To me, that's not being of service. If you're donating and you're showing it and you're like, I donated, you're, that's for yourself. That's not actually to me. So I, I sat with that because like, what are the intentions of service? And to me, um, I know when I sat with ayahuasca, one of my intentions with the medicine was, uh, I get chills talking about it. I was like, I'm here to be of service. I've always known that, you know, I went into nursing trying to be of service. Unfortunately, it wasn't in alignment. I don't um, agree with a lot of Western medicine. Um, I didn't feel of service in that, right? So if I don't feel in of service, even though it's a service job, I don't feel like it's in service for me, then I'm doing a disservice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another thing with service to me is, is it actually in alignment with how you are supposed to serve? because we all serve in different ways. Some of us are messengers, right? Like some of us are literally here to, 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 to speak, to spread messages. Some people are really here to wash dogs and that's them being of service. They love animals so much. Like, so whatever it is, like, I feel like we often get caught up in like, what am I here to do? What's my purpose? Oh, we get so caught. I've been there in that loop. Like, how am I supposed to serve? And it's like, ask, ask, mm-hmm. literally that's what I did. And I mean, I mean, Reiki to me is full of service because I'm just connecting people to whatever it is up there, out there in there. And to me being of service, like to sum it up is really serving the consciousness to elevate the vibrational frequency of every single thing I come in contact with. If that's planting a seed in the garden, it's not always with physical people that I'm being of service with, right? It's feeding the birds at my house, right? It's emptying the it's emptying the pond and putting new water in for the frogs to grow in healthy water. It's cutting ivy off a tree to help that grow because that tree can't do it itself. To me, being of service is fully being lit up because I'm a light worker. 
Um, to me, being of service is being authentic. So I can help other people be authentic by just being me. Being of service is also staying true to myself. And the best thing that you can do if you're listening to this, you're like, I don't even know what to do is focus on your own vibration at first. Be a little selfish if you need to until you, because you can't be of service if you don't have any light within. If you're is, dimmed, oh, sorry, go ahead. What does that mean? Focus on your own vibration. What does that mean? Okay, so focus on your own vibration. So I'm all about Reiki. Those of you who don't know what Reiki is, Reiki is um, an energy practice, ancient style Japanese technique for stress reduction, relaxation. Essentially, I'm channeling the universe through my body. That sounds insane. I know it's still freaking, I still don't get it. I, but I do it. People come up, people show up. I'm like, here I am. That to me is being of service, but vibrational frequency, everything is vibration. Everything is vibration. And I look, I, not me, I don't look. I have the inner awareness that this computer screen, this microphone, the tea I'm drinking has a vibration in it, right? I mean, I'm sure you've seen like the water, the water things when you have one water, it says, I hate you and no in it. And the other water says, I love you. That water that says, I hate you molds, doesn't grow. The other water grows just with a piece of paper with words on it. So vibration to me is, and, and keeping your vibration in alignment and high is that's your personal responsibility. Until you can master that, or at least have some awareness of that, it's hard to serve other people because you're you're doing a disservice to your own frequency. Once you can tap into your own vibration, and what I mean by your own vibration is, what are your thoughts? If it's constantly negative, it's really hard to even hear how you can be of service. Like you're kind of mentioning how if you're looping around in that neurotic, like me, 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 it's really hard to be of service. For me, I don't know how to describe it. It was just like, I just am of service. Like, it's like, it's like this something happens where you just shift into it. Like you said, like, you don't even know it's happening sometimes. Like, it, it really does just shift into it. And to me about my vibration is just being pure hearted, really coming from the heart space. And whatever that looks like for you, if there's some wounds in there, if there's some hurt in there, it's going to be also hard to open up because being of service means that whatever you connect with shoots through your body. Mm -hmm. yeah, that inner yeah. voice, like talk to that person. I don't want to. Well, I'm embarrassed. I don't give like go talk to that person. Yeah, That's what, being what, of what service. Is that? What, why is there that thing saying go talk to that person? Like why is there that little feeling, you know, in, in the, there's different times in our lives mm -hmm. where we're a little more in tune, a little less in tune. I think we can all resonate with some sort of like yeah, I kind of feel like this this sort of thing and I feel like things are acting in my favor um, and, and I feel like I'm meeting these people, whatever. And then, you know, maybe you go through some times where you don't have any of that and, and you're like, what's going on? And, and life seems a little little maybe gray or um, um, something. I think you could like look back and go, oh, I was, was thinking about myself or maybe I was caught in my story again. Something mm -hmm. really amazing that I love in this, the Celestine prophecies, so whatever, um, uh, is the... Um, like, like the, there's this emphasis subtly, it, inadvertently, kind of like they, they paint it beautifully on healing our childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I, I really love the expansion of it. I love hearing every different view of this. Like I was just talking with some friends the other day um, and I found myself trying to explain childhood trauma. And I was going to like Gabor Mate and um, um, a couple of these intellectuals that like have written these books on trauma. But, but I found myself wanting to really expand the definition of look it 
it doesn't mean that you were just like, you know, when you were a defenseless child, an adult, you know, physically harmed you or, or an adult um, sexually mm-hmm. assaulted you or um, you were neglected or your, your parents had to work all the time and you never saw them and you had to raise your sisters or whatever it is, you know, essentially there is a pattern, a belief system um, that you were taught to survive. Like you, you learn this is how humans learn how to survive and, and adapt and, and belong in the world. Okay, so if I, in order to get love, which is part of our being, we, we want to feel mm-hmm. love. It's, it's part of what moves us forward. It is what moves us forward. We find these, we're pattern seeking machines. So we see our parents, we're like, oh, okay, well, I did this, I said this, that didn't get me love. I did this, I said this, that mm-hmm. got me love. Okay, you have this pattern and it will follow you through your whole life. And the, hu- the, the huge mm-hmm. thing is, is that I was trying to expand with my friends was kind of like, we we all have childhood trauma. Let's say that everyone has something from their childhood, some structure that could use unwinding, that could use a second look because mm-hmm. it might be blocking you. It might be the reason why you're neurotically looping and you can't talk to these people at the convenience store. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's it's so I don't know. I think um, childhood trauma seems like this closed door to so many people because they're like, mm-hmm. whoa, like, you know, it seemed like my life was, was okay. Like my parents loved me. Um, you know, I still, I'm still friends with my parents. I'm talking to my parents. So like, I don't really want to yeah. go around saying I have childhood trauma. And, and I just want to invite those people, you know, like don't, don't wall this off. You know, these, these mm-hmm. terms like childhood trauma there it's, it's not, there's no gatekeeping here. It's essentially right. as humans, we're discovering and we're using different words and maybe some people have more severity than others or whatever, but the worst thing you've ever been through is the worst thing you've ever been through. So mm. you can learn at whatever age as an adult, you can look back and go, huh, maybe I'm not in alignment or maybe there's things that are no longer serving me that I, that I can unwind. So, and that's part of, part of the process. Like, so I think things like, um, you know, people like you and I seem to be helping people understand and teach these things within themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what, what, what does that, does that resonate with you, Jay? Um, Mm -hmm. this, this thought of childhood trauma? Yeah. And, you know, even deeper than that, you want to get into DNA Mm, and ancestral trauma the wombs, you know, when you're in your mom's womb, you got your grandma's eggs in you. That's science. You might not have trauma. Did your mom? Did your did your grandma have trauma? I mean, I think all of America and all of this world can say, yeah, it was pretty tough back then. That's in us. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, childhood trauma. If you're like, oh my life, how he you, you know, you were saying, like, oh my life was good. Getting yelled at in preschool is trauma. Like it doesn't always have to be from parents. It can be from outside stuff, like feeling left out, feeling neglected, right? All of those ways, like you're mentioning, like there's so many ways it comes up and it shows up. And as someone who, again, does energy work, I've never had anyone on my table that I haven't cleared or felt some sort of childhood trauma. I've done over hundreds of sessions. And it might not always be in this life. And those of you who maybe don't are new to that, like I believe I, I know I've lived thousands of, or if not hundreds of thousands of lives and the DNA is a staircase. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's walked before us is walking in our DNA right now. You know, I'm someone who focuses a lot on ancestral clearing, ancestral healing. I do sweat once a month. I call in a different ancestor and I clear that trauma. Okay. On to the next. We have seven generations behind us minimum and seven before us. So something else of being of service is I don't have children yet. If I, I don't know, I haven't decided yet. Um, 
I'm working for seven generations before me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of people coming to you. I don't know if I'm a good mom. Of I'm like, are you being a better mom than how you were raised? Yes. Then you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's just a tip for the moms out there. Like my trauma, I'm causing trauma. If you're doing mm-hmm. better than your mom, you're doing it. Yeah. Right. Be easy on yourself. Be easy. Yeah. You're, you're doing okay. Yeah. But the trauma thing. Yeah. It, it's um the pattern and i like how you mentioned like patterns and cycles because one of my gifts is i have the ability to actually recognize when people are in a cycle and a pattern really easily mm. like looping like it's almost like i can see especially the chakras are wheels right so i can see where the stories are circulating at and i can actually pinpoint what chakra that story is sitting in mm. and i can actually pinpoint how that story activates this and activates that and how when we're constantly talking about our trauma too like personally i used to do this like talk 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 therapy yeah 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 but sometimes like let's just get it out of the body like i mean for real and you're like how do i do that go lay in the forest go scream right go to go find energy work go to meditation go to dna stuff look at what you're eating like a lot of times I find that people don't get better, one, because they don't look for the help, but two, because they don't even know that that trauma is sitting in there, mm. like looping, like looping, looping, looping around, like especially women in the womb. If you had a traumatic birth, like there's so many ways that trauma shows up and it affects what I was going back to in the beginning is your vibration. That trauma is secondary to a feeling. So sometimes, like you said, we're pattern seekers. I really like that because we are, but we're also, if you are sensitive and you're empathetic empath, meaning you can feel stuff. If you feel someone else has trauma in their body and you're an empath and you don't know how to protect yourself, you're transferring that into your body. And then Mm. you're like, oh my God, Mm. what's going on? I don't feel good. That person, like we can go into like how to protect your energy because I know personally, I used to just everyone's trauma mm-hmm. out of their body for them and then go home and transmute it like this started happening when I was a child and I've been I was depressed most of my life but looking back I'm like probably was I was just not even yours You're exactly like I'm processing stuff. yes <laughs> I was like that girl at the party that's like having those like deep conversations with someone I just met and I'm like listening and like people are crying like you know like have you ever met someone and you're like wow I feel so comfortable I want to tell you my whole life I'm the person on the other side I've actually always had that. And when we're like that, and if you're like that and you're listening, it's because one, we've been through a lot, but two, because we can actually hold genuine space. And three, our energetic design is actually, it's a type of energy. It's called a transmuter. Mm. So every soul, every body has different energetic gifts. I believe everyone's psychic. I believe everyone has sensitivities. We all are different. Some are blocked, right? Gene expression, yada, yada. I can go deep into that. But some of us have the role of being a transmuter. So Jake and I are transmuters. And what I mean by that is we have this innate gift, whether we are aware of it or not, where people are actually talking to us trauma because one, the soul has an inner awareness that our soul can fucking process it, right? So as our job is to one, listen, hold space, but three, not take it on. I think of it as like 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 a filtration system. For the for the and that's another way I serve. I I listen and I filter it and then it's gone. It's it. Talk about it. Let's get it out. It's done. 
get out of the DNA. When I sat with ayahuasca, I saw all my DNA, like a freaking movie. And she's like, cut, cut this out, cut that out, cut this out. Oh yeah, this happened when you were three, it's still messing you up, cut it out. Like the, in the way DNA replicates, right? It just, it's four letters. Our DNA is made up of four freaking letters. It's three blocks, codons. The way it replicates, a protein goes on top of a DNA, it rips it in half and it just slides across. But if you cut the trauma out, DNA cellular healing, the trauma won't get recreated. Mm. It won't be in the DNA. So what I was seeing on an energetic level and something else that I recommend is DNA cellular healing epigenetics, it's finally getting caught up that our DNA changes with our environment. Yep. Yeah, it, epigenetics is is it, epigenetics is like amazing, and I'm I'm so excited for the future of epigenetics, and also just what is what is uh, here now. I actually have had profound understandings in um uh, um. I, I feel I, I got into like a few years ago. I got into epigenetics. This guy, uh, there's Joe Dispenza, Greg mm-hmm. Braden, and Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton is yeah. the epigenetic guy. Yeah, yep. I, I don't know if you've read any of his, Jay, but um, yeah, he uh, he really changed my perspective on epigenetic because I I. I think we grow up thinking that there's things like hereditary or genetics or um, you hear everybody say it like there. I, I was man, I, I had this example. Um, I was working with these people. I was basically working with this this older gentleman and his son who was um, like 20, 21 was working with us as well. And uh, the way that I perceive people's interactions, I don't get into their business unless I'm invited in. So I didn't mm-hmm. say anything to these people, mind you. But um the, the the most clear 100% clear as day display of like a trauma the way that his dad was talking down to him the way that he was condescending mm. him the way that the young child w- would interact and then I would hear these conversations like he would jump he like jump down off the stage and then said something about his knee and arthritis and his dad goes yep you're gonna have arthritis just like me like there was just this Ooh. exchange between these two and I'm from the outside going, oh no, stop saying all this, stop it. Like, hell, yeah. <laughs> like there was, I, I almost had to resist the temptation. I actually had to like, because I started to feel a little bit of, um, I don't know if I was maybe taking on the energy or something. I started to feel like a little bit of anger, like this guy, like he needs to not talk to someone like that, let alone his son. Like he's harming his son and he doesn't know, you know, but I kept my mouth shut. It wasn't, this wasn't a situation where I was invited to um, interject. But I think that we get so caught up with these stories of hereditary genetics. We forget mm-hmm. about genetic expression. We forget yes. that a lot of who we are is learned by, like I was saying, ages zero to seven, you're watching the people around you. Oh, I don't get love from this. Here's how I get this. I get approval from this. When I cry, I get this. When I don't cry, I get this. And mm-hmm. we will go about our life like that. And we call that hereditary often. We call that, we don't see it as something we have control over unwinding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm. and I think that, yeah, epigenetic expression, like what strands of your DNA are you activating? Yes. You know? and, and are you accepting that, okay, well, my dad said this, and so that's that's truth. You're he turning it on. Have, yeah. Yeah, like what, what what genes are you turning on? It is not an incredible thing to think that we have power over that. I mean, what a Amazing. what a terrifying thing at the same time. Like a lot of people might hear that and go, whoa, I don't want that. Like, wait, so what I, what I think <sighs> about and what I learn is, is it's my responsibility, and it's like, yeah. in a sense you can you know oh my gosh yeah that just brings me back to that story i told you about it's just kind of deep it's as woo woo as it gets but when um it's all about dna though so i love all that and even the word unwinding you know in second second 
before I forget, I maybe you were witnessing that experience because maybe that's how your dad treated you and you were witnessing that and you were healing that moment within yourself and you didn't realize it. And that anger you felt is that inner child witnessing that oh, in someone you? else. Oh, that's something worth. Oh, I, I'm going to sit with that. I like that. Just a thought even think that about came that. through. Yeah. See, see, maybe I was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. Go <laughs> before I go that. on. That's what I saw when I was seeing it. So when people tell me stories, I actually can go to that event and witness it from a higher point. I don't know if that makes sense. Meta perspective. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Cool. So yeah. Well, well, that's, yeah that's, that's what I, that's what I call it. But yeah. View from above. Um, so uh, seven years ago, like my awakening happened, Kundalini, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm in Pal's book and this book flies off the shelf. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, literally flies off the shelf. I'm like, okay, this is a book I'm going to buy. And it's called We the Arcturians. I'm like, okay. It was like 500 pages. I'm like, I'm in. I go back home, nursing school at this time. So I'm in Tri-Cities and I'm in my bed and I'm reading this book, but I don't even want to say I'm reading it. I'm like absorbing it. Like I've never read a book before like that. Like it was like, like 500 pages. I like, I just, mm. and it's what the book is. It's a, it's a direct channeling from Arcturians. Arcturians are believed to be on the 5D, but spaceship. They're in our sky. You can see them. It's one of the brightest star constellations, Arcturians or anyway. And the book is channeling from them, from a lady in New Mexico. And so it's all the art. It's, so it's written from Arcturians. Think of it like that. It, quote it, whether you resonate or not, those of you, but it's pretty much an Arcturian is writing this book. Mm. Everything that was in there was so true for me. They're explaining how Arcturius is. They're explaining how they are. They're explaining how they are with procreation. They're explaining like the vibration. They're talking about healing. They're talking about sound. They're talking about how they do school. Like so many things that they talk about, like that their species is about is how I've always felt. Because when I when I'm on Earth, like I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I look around and I'm like, I don't understand sometimes why I'm here. I know why I'm here, but sometimes I'm like, I know I'm not from here. So I really do resonate with being a star seed. We can dive into that too. But anyway, I'm reading this whole book. It's like 500 pages on a game. After I read it, it's probably like 3 a.m. Right when all the beautiful things happen in life, and I like go into a trance. I'm not trying to. I'm not like meditating. Like it was just like, and I could tell I was like lucid or acid, acid, astral, like kind of pre, I don't know how to describe it. I was aware that I wasn't sleeping or awake. It's kind of like when you know when you can't move your body, but it's not like sleep paralysis scary. It's just like, you're in that, like kind of like in between astral and this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this figure comes to me blue, like Arcturians have blue skin and he's just like in my awareness, like floating in front of me, but it's like more like a vibrating. Like, it's not like I see like an alien being like in my house with like a spaceship, even though lights were kind of going off, but it was just like this, like figure at silhouette thing. And it was like, kind of like vibrating, like light. Cause if you're from 5d, it's just light vibrations. It's not always like aliens are coming. It's like, no, it's a frequency. And he's like vibrating with me. And he, he shows me my DNA. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it's about DNA. He's showing me my DNA, which you guys know it's double helix spiral strand. So it's, they can't see me doing that, but it's spiraled, right? And the way DNA gets replicated is it actually rips apart, right? And then it copies what's there. So he was literally, I was seeing my DNA get ripped apart by this being, and he was replacing it with gold, hmm. golden light. And he would, to me, and after that, and then the next morning, I look on my mirror. 
which my mirror was facing my bed, which you should not have your mirrors facing your bed, by the way, it's a portal. But anyway, I didn't know that at the time. And on my mirror, and I can post this picture, the left-hand corner, which is crazy because the day before I cleaned my mirror and I lived alone at this time, there was like three like fingerprints, but they weren't mine. It was like, and then above it, there was like above it, but they weren't, and it was kind of like triangle shaped. So it was like kind of like human print. And then above, right above those was like triangle shaped fingerprints. Mm -hmm. I put my fingers next to it. Those things were way bigger. So I was like, they, and to, yeah. to me, that means, yeah, we were here. What you saw wasn't like all woo-woo in your meditative yeah. state. Like, yeah. that just, was here. Just in case you woke up today and wanted to forget about that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, no, no. Dude, it kind of put me into a psychosis. And like, my begin, my wake up, my awakening wasn't gentle, you guys. Like, my awakening was like, mm. uh, my kundalini woke, oh my gosh, my kundalini, like, was self-inflicted i didn't do it on purpose it just uh, and i like was in nursing school at this time i was taking a lot of adderall like i was like live by myself like just nursing school textbooks like super textbooky nursey like nah. and my awakening happened and then i was like i am in a simulation like my awakening was harsh i'm like <laughs> i'm in a simulation none of this is real what am i doing here like i was never suicidal but i was like jump off a bridge what's gonna happen like yeah, i got yeah. to those intrusive thoughts of like is this real like am i real and i would look in the mirror yeah. I'm like who is this after my kundalini awakening like mm. i didn't recognize mm. who was in the mirror and it scared i don't want to say it scared me but it put me into kind of like a really alone headspace because i was still going in nursing school i was showing up like but no one mm. knew what was going on mm. i was spending all my time alone i was either in class studying or at my house like meditating like i just started to be upset i quit eating meat I just started running. I just started doing a sauna. I was reading and I just started to meditate constantly. Like mm -hmm. it just started to organically happen. And yeah. I just felt like I was in a dream. Like it just started to happen. So after the DNA thing and all that started stuff happening, I started to remember past lives being on these other planets. And I started to really tap into like, well, I'm not supposed to be a nurse. I kept doing it anyway because I was already in that program, yada, yada, yada. Mm. But I knew I wasn't going to be a nurse that long. I knew and I know to this day, it sounds really insane to the outside looking in, but I'm here to, to speak to people, to awaken DNA and to bring awareness of who you really are at the core. Everyone has stardust DNA. We're all cosmic. I mean, come on. Like we come into a freaking womb yeah, like, follow the umbilical cord and keep following it. <laughs> you you know? know, like it's not that far-fetched to to be incarnated on other planets. Like Earth isn't that old to me anyway. And so when I realized, I'm like, okay, like I have lived on other planets. Like that's real. Like I remember like when I was younger, I would just lay, I slept outside. Like that was my safe space. My home wasn't safe. So I slept outside a lot and I would just stare at the stars and I'm like, I'm ready to go back. Like, I remember being little, like saying that to the stars. Like, so those of you who ever are, if you are a starseed and you don't know that yet and you don't feel like you fit in, just find your tribe, find other people that you connect with, because that's how I felt at home was I started to actually meet other starseeds. Mm. I started to meet other people who never felt like earth was home and never wanted to be here. And, and it felt homesick. How can you feel homesick from a place you don't even remember? It's that inner longing of home that we don't even know and remember that we have. Mm. Well, yeah, it's well, kind of a tangent, but. 
No, no, it's, it's beautiful. And I, I actually want to talk more about your awakening experience. I actually just a couple of days ago recorded, like sat down, hit record and said, I had a spiritual awakening four to five <sighs> years ago. Here's what happened. And I'm going to try to tell you about it without using words like God and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and it was like, it is, it was difficult to watch. I think I want to try it again. Maybe it was just a rough draft, but, um, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the awakening experience, I, it's, it's interesting. You, you, you talked about like, you know, so I think there's this innate part of you that knows like, okay, I'm a healer. I want to help people. Like that seems like without even intellectualizing, that's just like, you, you're almost working from, I have this feeling that is the capital T truth. I'm trying to catch my intellect up to it. Where do I look? Mm-hmm. We look around and our society says, be a nurse, be a doctor. You can heal. That's the way you heal. When yeah. you have a, I'm a healer in our society has an answer intellectually of, well, we have this system set up for you. It's called being a nurse. And I think that, yeah, like that's part of your awakening too, of going into it and, and going, you know, Ram Dass, um, he, he was a, a psychologist at, yeah. uh, was it Stanford, Harvard, whatever. Um, yep. and, and he, he, he talks about <laughs> so elegantly where he, he's at this place. He's at these, like, he's got, <laughs> I love Ram Dass. He, he, like, He's looking around. He's like, he's like, surely somebody has it all figured out. Like, you know, you keep doing these courses, you, you, you do these psychology degrees. He's meeting with these other psychologists. He's, he says, um, he's like, I, I have a nice BMW. I have a nice house. He's like, I have my pilot's license. He's like, I'm supposed to know it all. And, and somehow he's, he's basically describes he's looking around and like somehow still nobody knows. Like they don't know it. Like they're, we're all just playing this game of being a psychologist. And Ram Dass started to become aware of that, you know? And then mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, his path soon led into, he met up with Timothy Leary and they tried yeah. psychedelics and he lost his, not only his body in that, es- in, in that experience of taking mushrooms, but he also lost his identity. He yeah. lost um, being, being a psychologist, being, being a professor. Um, and, and he had to, well, well, what is there left? You know, and he had he had mm-hmm. to sit in that, and that's like kind of been his path path to God. But um, yeah. So so I think that um, you know, everything that happens to us is so it's so intertwined, it's so interconnected, mm. and sometimes it doesn't feel like it when you're going through it. And sometimes it's like like even now, if someone's sitting here trying to think of their traumas, going, "Oh, that was supposed to happen to me." Yeah, are you <laughs> sure? It's like I'm sorry. Yeah, you I'm chose sorry. it. Yeah, sorry. Like, <laughs> see, and, and you actually like, chose that. That's dude. Oh, <laughs> and I love. I have loved coming to an understanding of that as well. Um, uh, karma and re- reincarnation took me a long time to wrap my head around. To wrap well, it took me a long time to get my head out of the way. Um, uh, because there is this, okay, so listener, c- contemplate this, e- even just like, not even me trying to tell you this is, this is how it is, but just contemplate a what if, what if before, what if before you came here, you had a conversation with everyone in your life, with your parents, with everything, you said, hey, look, I want spiritual development just like you, this is our purpose, what's going to give me that? And you shake mm-hmm. hands with your parents as souls and they say, all right, I'm going to do that. And you're going to do that. And you say, all right, fist bump, boom, you're shot into, you, you're born, you, you know, you come out and there's light and you're at the hospital and, uh, and that, and you've just gone through the veil of forgetting as, as some call it, you know, um, and, and you don't remember any of that handshake, but now your, your task is spiritual development. Your, your reincarnation here is to have trauma and quarrels and, um, 
things happen with your parents, with your family, with the people that you interact mm -hmm. with, with your life, with your society, with your city, with your state, with yep. your with your world. And your job is to somehow stay above water to navigate and like try and be clear eyed and understand it. So you can now help other people who, who have the yeah. same handshake afterwards. Um, uh, th I guess that was a bit of a tangent. I'm not sure why I was circling with no, that. But I love day, but, that. Yeah. yeah. And I actually have a reincarnation story, personal one. That's oh, okay, trippy okay. as yeah, yeah, all of that. So those of you, again, reincarnation, if that's new for you, like I'm this about to just so um, I was like three years old and I'm going up to my grandma, my dad's mom, who her and I had like a really good connection, like from birth when I was born, she saw angels around me. Like she, we just have a really tight knit connection and I'm three years old. I'm at her house. I'm like popping around and I like go up to her and I like tap her stomach I, and she's like, what? And I said, remember when I was in your belly? And she's like, no, you're in your mom's belly. And I'm like, yeah, before that. And I'm three, okay? She's like, I'm like, before that. And she's like, no, honey, you've only been in your mom's belly. Like, your mom. And I'm like, ah, forget it. La, 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 la. Well, my grandma had a baby die of SIDS. And her name was Jamie. And that baby mm -hmm. died at four months old, June 6th. Named J-A-Y-M-E. Why do people call me J? My name's Jordan Nell. <laughs> so yeah interesting the connected nature like so it could literally be an agreement that you had like and i so chose and i chose my mom so my mom and dad like they had sex like not that much and i actually remember going in to my mom's womb wow like i actually have that i had that awareness of <sighs> um going within and i actually remembered i've done so much like um healing with within the womb because like the, something else about trauma is oh the waters you were birthed in like the waters of the womb what words were around you when you were in your mom's womb so for me personally no one knew I was in there for seven months I was grown and hiding Dang, so seven maybe, months and they did she didn't know you she was pregnant no my mom was 16 and she just avoided oh, wow. it and the first thing when she did tell someone, the first thing was go get an abortion. So the mm. first thing upon finding out I'm in you there is go, and yeah, my mom goes into the clinic and they tell her, you know, you have a week to decide. And she's, and I remember that I've gone back in meditation and I actually remember being in her womb in the clinic with her. And she said she's in the clinic and she said that she just felt this like, no, I can't. I can't do that. Again, if you've had an abortion, like there's no judgment. This is just like an experience that my mom went through. Yeah. And um, my mom birthed naturally. I was due the date that they said. Um, she was about to go to work that day. Like my mom worked until she's a birth. So that's another thing. Like how our mothers held us during pregnancy also affects us. It's mm -hmm. not just childhood. It's like even your birth, your birth story affects you, mm -hmm. right? Like you, did you get a breastfeed with your mom? Right. How was your mom's mental health when you were breastfeeding? How was your mom? Did she have postpartum? I invite you to ask your moms, like, how was your birth? Did you connect with me right away? My mom didn't connect with me right away. My mom actually, you know, she wouldn't be able to say this, but my mom hated herself. Mm. So she hated me. My dad left her the day I was born. So I was kind of like that baby in the crib that just like got pushed. Mm. So 
again, my mom and I have done so much healing together. We like, we, like I said, we did ayahuasca together to actually heal generational curses. Which is but, so beautiful. <laughs> like that's so amazing. So it goes deep. But when you're talking about trauma and you're talking about like stuff like that, ask your parents like how the birth was. Did you want to get conceived, right? Or were you whoops? All that intention. That's why we talk about conscious conception. Like, so when I do have a child, I plan to be very conscious about who I'm bringing in. Mm. The soul that wants to come through. Who is it? You're going to be birthed in love. Whatever soul decides to come into my womb, I've been prepping for. But I've also like when you're being intimate with your partner and you're trying to have a child calling in a conscious a soul is going through me. That trips me up, dude. <laughs> That's why I haven't had a kid yet. I'm like, I'm respond like what? Yeah. What what greater responsibility to take on though? You know. That's what? why I haven't. Because I'm like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I I wouldn't know. I I, I I I wouldn't be so sure about that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think you'd I think you'd be in, in a great position. Um, but I, I, I would like to so I have actually heard this this loops right back around. I have actually heard I can't recall who who somebody on a podcast talks about they had an ayahuasca trip and uh in their like their purging was so intense and the big mm. thing that they came out with was they um it was th they had a, t a difficult birth like when they were birthed into this world through their mother it yeah. was either umbilical cord wrapped around the neck um you know mm. these sort they couldn't breathe right away and that alone had like traumatized them throughout their life and they had this, this probably ayahuasca had asthma and everything yeah, yeah, they, they had all these issues that oh. like, they, and they never knew. They they had no idea. Like, it wasn't even like a, a known thing in their family. Like, oh yeah, you had a difficult birth, or like, you had the umbilical cord wrapped around your neck. I think it was like something he had to dis rediscover. But he basically had all these like mental uh, quarrels that were harming him in his life, affecting him from being the highest version of himself. He from takes birth. ayahuasca, and Mother Ayahuasca is like, you were traumatized from your birth canal. And, um, you know, here's how you deal with it, you know, whatever. And, and he was able to expand it and like come through on the other side and speak about it. So there's just these yeah. things that are underlying the surface that we may have no, we, you know, we yeah. want to put our intellect around them and try to, well, here's what happened, you know, but there's, I mean, things you have to really be open to, 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 to hear them. So, um, I, I would love to Jay. Yeah. When you had told me this, uh, a while back, a while back ago, you had an experience with mother ayahuasca you traveled Ooh. across the world and you did ayahuasca with your mother so i would love to i would love to treat this um if someone's tuning in right now yes if they've never if they've maybe kind of heard ayahuasca they're like oh it's like a psychedelic like some sort of like you trip out or something can we start from like someone who really doesn't know anything about this and, and, and yeah. invite them in and then share, yeah. share whatever you're willing to share I, i'm so i'm so I'm excited to hear book. about this yeah. yeah. So, okay. Ayahuasca. The, okay. So I went to the Amazon, which when I was about 11, 12, I'm like, I'm going to the Amazon to do ayahuasca. So I've always had this innate, yeah, this innate connection with ayahuasca. Um, ayahuasca is considered to be grandma of the planet, grandma spirit. Um, it's actually a vine. And the way they found the vine is uh, they heard it, talk to it, them. <laughs> they actually found it through mapacho, which is father, grandfather, which is tobacco. So ayahuasca and tobacco are married in union. So you actually like smoke a lot of um, tobacco when you're with sitting with Aya because they're together. So think about everything as having a spirit, right? Plants have spirits. Think about just think of it that way. And this vine 
like divine, we're connecting to divine, the tree of life, it makes sense that this medicine is a vine and it's underground. And the vine talked to these people and said, hey, I'm here to heal the world, essentially. This is what you do. Because you can't just eat the vine. Like it's not like a mushroom where you actually mm-hmm. pull it up and you brew it for like 48 hours. Like it's a process. Like she, they really had to be connected and she gave instructions for how to do it. It's not yeah. like pick the vine, eat the vine, you're high. Yeah, th- there's basically these two different things that are at different sides of the jungle. And they, they basically were given guidance to like, hey, you have to combine these things together because our stomach, our microbiome does not process the DMT without this other part of it yep. itself. And so like even if we just take the Iowa or the one part of it that we think has the psychoactive effects, it does not a- affect our system without this other piece. So, yeah, super ceremonial. Yeah. Like so I did it in a tribe with the Shipibo tribe who have been in the Amazon since the beginning. They speak Shipibo. So that's another thing. If you are interested in ayahuasca, I highly suggest going to the Amazon because yeah, you can do it in the States, but you really want to be protected. Like, uh, yeah, you want to be with shamans. Let me just leave it at that. So anyway, ayahuasca is essentially, it's you're actually, yeah, you're hallucinating, but they actually say that that's a distraction. So if you find yourself like crying and you're like going on all these vision quests, that's actually a distraction. You're not actually supposed to follow that. You're actually supposed to live. So in the middle of the trip, um, I guess I'll start from the beginning. So you have to go on a dieta. So 30 to 60 days before you can even sit with Aya, no marijuana, no tobacco, no caffeine, no meat, no sugar, no salt, no spices. Like you got to be intentional with your vessel. Um, you don't have to, but at people that didn't follow the dieta, I could tell because they were not having a very good experience because um, our vessels are the temple that the medicine sits in, right? So they're going to go in there and kind of clear it all out. So you are in a maloka and a maloka is just like a term for the building that we're in. Um, and there's shamans in the middle. So there's like four shamans, particularly this tribe was a mother, a father, a son, and the daughter's husband. And the son, he started taking ayahuasca at seven. So these people have been doing it. It's not like, again, random. And the Shipibo tribe, their whole life is to serve ayahuasca. That's why they're here. They know that at birth. When you're talking about being of service, like that's their role on this planet. And they're facilitating deep healing. So with ayahuasca, you kind of set your intentions. You know, there's um, Maestra. And I went to a place called Arcana, which you can look up. But she, Christina, um, Justina, like they're amazing healers. Um, she sucks bugs out of people. It's insane. Yeah. There's a video on it. Um, and you, it's dark, you fast that whole day. So before actually where I was at, before I did ayahuasca, I did combo and combo is a frog medicine. So combo is going to clean your blood. So it's kind of, they take like an incense type stick and they burn your skin off And then they put this frog medicine, which is the venom of a frog, but they do it in a way that's not harming the frog. And then they actually put that frog venom in the burn hole. And what this is, you throw up. Your Mm. blood gets hot. Is is it psychoactive? Do you have a trip? Is it DMT? No. No psycho. I did do that too. But this is just more to cleanse your blood before we even receiving Aya. So it's a whole prep. It's not like I'm going to take a bag of mushrooms today and fry. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's definitely something to prep for, but it also brings it up. Like, who are you without all your addictions? Who are you without food? Who are you without caffeine? Who are you without weed? I used to be a stoner. I'm not anymore. I actually don't smoke, but um, 
I, so then you do combo, you throw up. And again, you're throwing up around everyone. Like there's no chill here. Like you have coolers in front of you and you're projectile vomiting in a room with like 13 other people in the middle of the Amazon. Like it's an experience. And when you sit with Aya, they, they smudge you, like shaman comes in and blows on you, protects you. Again, it's so much about protection because when you're tapping into these realms, it's deep. It's not like a mushroom trip. It's not like an acid trip. Like there's moments of it if you have taken those, it, but it's um because it's not supposed to be like a fried trip. Ayahuasca heals the mind. That's the point. She shows you where you're looping around in cycles, which we were talking about in the beginning. So my first night, so you go on, you take a little cup and you only take like a shot glass. Like you don't even need a lot. And it is bitter. It's so, I loved it. Honestly, it's earthy, it's bitter. And you, and they actually ask you to sit up the whole time if you can, because I guess when you're laying down, you're more susceptible to other things coming in. So if you can keep your channel sitting upright and you guys, so during this, there's four shamans in the middle and they're screaming the whole time. So, and what they, what I mean by screaming is they're singing because they're protecting you. So they have songs for the plants. So the words that they're saying is in Shipibo, but they're speaking for their, their, it's songs of the plant. It's ayahuasca songs. Are are they harmonizing at all? Or, or if you were to see from, like, if you were watching from the outside of the circle, would it sound a little chaotic or would it sound like the four of them are working together? Because I feel like I've heard before that it almost sounds like they're like battling in some senses. Uh, Well, they're clearing out demons. So they each kind of have different roles. So like, let's say someone's having a really bad trip, which happens, then it does sound chaotic because they're clearing them out because you're supposed to listen to the voice. So kind of follow one, like I connected with, I connected with all of them, but they, it's all in harmony if you're in it, because if you can tune in and you're supposed to listen to them sing, a lot of people don't because they're in their own head and they're scared and they're not surrendering, but I have a really, I can surrender pretty easily. When you listen to the voices, it's guiding you. It's kind of like Alice in Wonderland. Like the 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 word the plants are guiding you. So you're listening to them and they're singing, and it's it's ayahuasca talking to you through them. Cause they take it too. They take way more than us. They take like way more than us. So they are ayahuasca and they're singing for and every night was different. So I sat with it four nights. The rhythm and the 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 way it worked was different every night. Like the vibe and the intensity and the electricity, it was different every night because like the last night, I was like one of the only people who sat with it. Everyone was done. Like they were like, I don't want, I'm like, I'm ready. Because my first few nights, people around me were suffering. And it was actually, I told the shamans, I'm like, it's hard for me to surrender when people next to me are suffering and I feel like I can help. So that was a big lesson for me was like, wow, like mm-hmm. even though I'm sitting with ayahuasca, I still have this awareness of how I can help people around me. Like I don't let myself surrender to my own healing. Like I'm always focused about other people. So that was a big lesson for me. Um, but essentially you can't, you are seeing visions. Like everyone experiences different. Honestly, though, someone next to me, he was like super, I don't know the correct words to say it, but not a psychopath, but psychopath energy. Mm. You know how they kind of aren't as connected like that theory. They don't have souls. I'm not saying he was, but he didn't see anything. He didn't even feel the medicine. 
he got, he was angry every night because I'd have these profound, he sat next to me. Eventually he had to move because I, I vibrated him out because he was mad that I was having these profound visions and these experiences. And ayahuasca and I just like, it was like when I drank ayahuasca, I just felt like, oh my gosh, like I've missed her so much. Like she feels like my grandma. Mm. But if you don't have that interconnection, and not saying that this was like a rare thing, but just everyone's experience was really different. Mm. And that's something I want to say too. Even though we all took the same medicine, everyone had different intentions. So you tell the shamans your intentions when you get there. Mm. So when you're drinking your cup, you're thinking about your, it's so intentional. It's so, so, so intentional. And honestly, like for my experience, the first night, um, I, for me, I got lost in the visions because I was seeing like the whole world. Like I was seeing just the suffering. I was seeing the child trafficking. I was seeing just the suffering on the planet. I was like going deep in that. I was seeing like the Monopoly game board. I was seeing the players. I was seeing the matrix. I was seeing the makers of the matrix. Like I was, I, it was so profound. And I was like, oh, oh my, because one of my goals was to become unplugged fully energetically from the matrix. Those of you that know the matrix, that's a true story. Um, so the first night I was seeing everything. I was seeing the corruption. I was seeing just the slavery, the com modern day slave. Like I was just, I it was really like this awareness of like, Ooh, 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 like I was just seeing it. And then I also, then I started to get in my loops of all the thought patterns that I usually have. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's time to exit. So it was like the inner awareness of like exiting, 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 right? My second night was really interesting um, because, so I've had an abortion and then I had a miscarriage and they were exactly a year apart, May 6th. Mm -hmm. And my abortion story is just crazy because again, aliens came by, came through and took the baby. But when I, yeah, that's, yeah, there's so much with my life that I'm like, it does not sound real, but I'm a living testimony that this shit is real. Mm -hmm. But when I was sitting with ayahuasca, I was like, I saw the first baby in my womb, but I saw myself go to full term. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about the baby. Like when I had an abortion, like it was just wasn't in alignment for me. And I never felt guilty about it, maybe because I didn't process it, obviously. So I'm sitting with ayahuasca. And I'm seeing myself go full term. Like I'm, I'm seeing if I didn't have the abortion. So I'm literally watching my stomach grow full term to nine months. And I birth a baby. I like pull a baby out and I'm looking at it. And it like has like a little Hawaiian tent. My partner's Hawaiian and it's a boy. And I shit you not, there's a baby in the room. It's one of the shaman's babies. Okay. As soon as I pulled this baby out of my womb, astrally, the baby in the room started to cry for the first time that night. Weird. Like, and an another thing that's really crazy is that baby would be the same age as this baby. Okay, sidetrack. When I was pregnant um, the first time, I told Dane, I said, this baby needs to go to the Amazon. I, like, I get chills talking about it. I'm like, we have, and when I got pregnant, I was on shrooms. Oh, whoa. Yeah, no, this is trippy. Yeah, like maybe fuck. you were like wrong door, you know, yes. you, like keep going, oh, you know, like keep, keep, keep going down the hallway, baby, you know, like wow. it was because oh, I got pregnant on shrooms. Like it was like, and I, as soon as I got pregnant, I, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. He was like, you don't know that. I'm like, I am pregnant. I felt I, I it right away. I do think women know that. I, I think, I think that, yeah, often. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm really in tune with my body anyway. So when, when I was pregnant, I said, Dane, I was like, 
I don't know what it is, but I have to go to, I'm like, if I keep, if we keep this baby, it has to be born in the Amazon. Like it was just this like crazy thought pattern. Like I said, I am not the right mom for this baby. Like I, and I'm not, I'm not like, I just, I had this like deep thing in me. I was like, I'm not the mom for this baby. This baby needs to be in the Amazon. So when I saw that baby in the Amazon and it just had this like smile, I mean, I don't know. I have a good babies love me. But when I had that awareness of birthing this baby astrally on ayahuasca, and when I pull it out of my womb, the baby in the room started to cry at the same time. The baby hasn't cried all night. People are screaming. You don't even know the baby's in the room. As soon as I birthed the baby, as if a newborn came out, the baby in the room started to cry. And I'm like, what in the actual, to me, like, I just, I, at that point, I'm like, what is this life? Yeah. So then I'm like, it's time to purge. So I go in the bathroom and I'm purging and it's, it's kind of graphic, sorry. But I'm purging up like baby parts, almost as if when I had the abortion and the miscarriage, not all energetically, the baby didn't come out. Wow. So I was like, when I was not literally baby parts, but what I was seeing in the toilet was. Sure. And then I looked around like on the bathroom and like when you're walking, it, it was trippy, right? And I'm like looking on the bathroom wall and there's a fat frog which means cleansing. And then this huge moth, which means, you know, death and rebirth. And I'm like, okay, like that was, that was meant to be, that was like really big experience for me because I was like, I did that confirmed to me that I did the right thing with the abortion. I don't have to question that choice. Mm. Um, and secondly, but, but this oh, wasn't even, I'm sorry to interrupt. This wasn't even something that you went, like I'm going to the Amazon to deal no. with this guilt of abortion. You know, it wasn't intentional, right? Like this is just something I had that, no idea. Oh, I guess I have to remove this block or this, or, or understand this situation. Yeah. I had no intention to, I, I thought I dealt with that. I do so much Reiki and I do so much womb clearing and womb healing. I didn't even know that that was sitting in my, my womb still. Uh -huh. I had no idea, you know? So that's another thing, women, if you've had a miscarriage or an abortion and you, if you haven't looked at the energy, it may still be sitting there and guilt and shame may be cycling around in your mm -hmm. womb preventing you from getting pregnant again or blocking your abundance or blocking your creativity or blocking your pleasure and feeling safe to be pleasured. Do, do you have, I, I don't want to derail too much. Uh, I want to still talk about the story, but if someone is in that position and they're not in a position right at the second to like travel to the Amazon and go to um, do ayahuasca, is there something you can maybe recommend that, um, yeah. how do we, you know, w women who might be like, oh, man, maybe I should bring that back up and, and sit with that. Is there anything that you recommend? Yeah, I would first, literally ask your body so with your body like whoa like is is there clearing that still could take place within my womb and, and feel how your body feels and feel what emotions come up and if there is just youtube sacral chakra healing and put a healing frequency on super simple background noise but it's going to be the sacral chakra so anything sacral chakra healing you don't have to go to the Amazon to clear this. It's just, I'm just okay. extra. Beautiful. No, no, I, I love that though. I think that's so great though, because I, yeah, I, I would love if, if someone is resonating with that. Um, I, I think there's not a lot of guidance or conversations about that within our culture. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, yeah, totally. Sacral chakra, chakra healing. I'm, I'm with that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Carry on your ayahuasca. So sorry. That's so much. But um, another really amazing part about, I mean, there's so much, right? Like I'm going to write a book because I just saw so much, but What's crazy again, remember my mom's across the room and my mom's never taken any psychedelics. My mom went there cause she had cancer and it wasn't genetic. So she's like, what caused this? 
So mm. it's really cool to be in the same room as my womb, the womb space that I'm healing from. It was just really cool. But another part of my journey that was really prolific is I guess I'll skip to the last part just because I know we're short on time. The last night of ayahuasca, again, I took the most of anyone in the room. No one else tripped. I'm like, ah, oh, finally, I can let go because no one else is crying. I can do yeah. this. And I'm sitting there and um, I see these three agents in my aura, like literal, like matrix type agent, like Mr. Smith's, right? Mm -hmm. There's like three of them in my aura. This is graphic again. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no, I don't want these in here. Cause remember one of my intentions was to unplug from the matrix fully uh -huh. so I can help other people unplug. So I saw your taxes, your money, like student, student debt. Like I was seeing all these attachments and like you're a nurse, your license, like all these like things that had me still connected that were deep in my subconscious. I literally took a samurai sword out and I sliced their heads off. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Like, I was Sick. like, oh, Sick. yes, like, yes, get out of my aura and like in my subconscious, and, like yes. programming me. Badass. I don't want to. Yeah. And I was like dancing in the blood, like calling moth style. Like, I don't know if you know her, but she's like a deity I connect with and just like, just felt so liberated. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, I just felt free. I felt like, mm. okay, to to just be a soul without all attachments of the, the matrixly world and to just be free in that current moment and to remember that for when I do feel overwhelmed by money and all those things. And after all that happened, so many other things happened, but I'm sitting there and precursor, one of my biggest fears since I was a child is getting eaten by an anaconda. Like just precursor to this. Yeah. I don't know why. So anaconda is the spirit of ayahuasca. So you guys know she shows up as anacondas. An anaconda opens its mouth. This is how my trip ends. Last night, an anaconda opens its mouth. It goes on the top of my head and it swallows me whole. Literally. And in that moment, the trip was done. And to me, that means ayahuasca accepted me into her forever. And she's okay. always with me. And I'm a walking vibration and Wait, spreading so that, the message. Like, that was like a sobering? Like that was like, all I, right, that's the end of your trip. Yes, that was the end. And I oh knew my. that was the end. That's how it finished. An anaconda swallowed me whole. And yep, that was it. I wish we could talk about death for for another three hours. I, love I think death. I think you, I I <laughs> I really want. I I would love to talk about. I think maybe we'll do another podcast where yes. we just talk about death. I think it's actually something our culture really needs to talk about. Um. Oh oh my gosh. Okay, so oh, that was so much. <laughs> No. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so incredible. Okay. So what, um, uh, you know, your mother's journey is her, is her personal journey. So of, I can of course, share a little bit about her. She's open to it. Yeah. And was there, what was your journey together? Did, did you guys have any sort of, um, you know, you see each other from the cross, from across the room in this just absolutely divine space of, of consciousness. Was there, was there mother child healing? Was, was there anything between mm -hmm. you and your mother in that situation? So honestly, I'm the role of the mother in this relationship. <laughs> I've always been someone she comes to advice for. But my mom had a night where it was super scary for her, super dark. You know, she had some bad trips. And she was I was talking to her about it. And she was like, I don't get it. Like, why? Why was this dark? And I said, most of your life has been dark. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you use meth for 10 years. You're physically abused we've been homeless. You didn't like, 
Hey, hey, like you you were checked out of your life for like 10 years getting like just house to house to house getting high you don't remember my childhood you don't remember your childhood the reason it's dark is because that's literally you're you've had so much trauma that you've literally blocked it out i'll tell her this is something that's been hard for me not now but i would tell her memories of my trauma and my life she goes i don't remember and i'm like so is this in my head yeah did i make it up no one else remembers this trauma. Okay, cool. So I'm, you know, it kind of frustrating because she doesn't remember. So, but I would say the most profound moment that I had was actually taking Bufo. Bufo is a frog, 5-DMT. I loved it. You die. It puts the chemicals in your brain that you experience when you die. Mm-hmm. It's toad medicine. It's like the back. It's a different toad than combo. And you smoke it like in a, in a little bubbler. And this is like, it's not as like, it doesn't last as long and four people kind of go at once. And the main thing is to surrender. And again, I'm really good at surrendering. Like, I don't know. I just, I've mastered that skill. I shouldn't say mastered. I've really good at it. You have experience from past lifetimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my mom and I actually went at the same time, like a little different dude, Mm -hmm. but my mom was screaming. Mm -hmm. And when she was screaming, it sounded like my grandma that passed. It tripped me out. And I, when I'm, I took mine and I was like light language, like I was like attuning myself, like these like galactic codes and these galactic beings were like, like, I love death. Like I'm so comfortable in that realm. So that's where it takes you. It takes you to your body. But if you aren't comfortable with surrendering and letting those ego die, I've gone through a lot of ego deaths. You're going to fight it. My mom was mm. fighting it like screaming, pounding, like literally like wrestling herself. Mm. She would not surrender. She couldn't let go. And that's why she got cancer because she has all this in her that she doesn't even know it's there. And it's just like, let me out, see me. So Mm. if anything, I, me being able to surrender and me bringing to her the awareness of validating her trauma that she doesn't even remember Mm. was really key for us. Cause I'm like, mom, like if you don't remember your childhood, it's bad. Yeah. If you don't remember your adulthood, it's bad. Yeah. Like wh- where were you for it? Where, you know, wh- where you were checked out. What, what were you doing? What you, were you protecting yourself from even seeing the truth of what was going on the entire time? Yeah. So wow. that was like something that I was really, really cool for us to, I don't say cool, but was beautiful for her to experience yeah. was wow, maybe Jordan knows what she's talking about with energy work. Wow. Maybe she, because when I quit nursing, it was a really big deal for my family. Actually, a lot of people like stopped liking me because of that. It was like interesting. When I stepped into the role of an energy worker, it's really interesting, like the transitions of ego for my ego death. Actually, like I was dead to people when I quit. It was so interesting. Like I'm not a person, I'm not here anymore now that I'm not in that role. It, it it actually reminds me uh, j- just to talk about myself again, you know, loop after loop. But uh, it, it reminds me of when I started this podcast after my spiritual awakening. I did not know that I had a spiritual awakening. I didn't understand what was happening to me. I was just in this state trying to like find ground. And, uh, you know, lo- looking back, like I said, like the first like the first hundred episodes of, of my, my podcast, I could I could say are like, this is like the beginning of my journey as I was understanding it, you know, so like have mm-hmm. hopefully give me a little grace. But I, I remember um, the beginning, just my numbers, like I'd never cared about the numbers, but it is interesting to watch. The beginning, everyone was listening to my podcast. And then over the course of a couple months, 
less and less, less and less, because they started, I think when they opened my podcast, they're trying to hear Jake, the DJ, the cool guy, the cool, charismatic, fun, popular guy. And they hear it and they're like, what? What? Who is this? Who is this? And they don't connect with that because the person who they thought they were connecting with had died. Yeah. I mean, he is completely gone. And I don't know if I, I didn't really, I mean, it's taken me up until more recently to even fully understand. And like, you know, I've talked to you about Kundalini awakening and that I had the same thing. I had, I had a Kundalini awakening that I didn't ask for. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know it was a thing. I accidentally yeah. caused it to happen, but also it was exactly what was supposed to happen. Right. You know, um, but uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like you, you kind of disconnect with these people who are connected with a version of you that no longer exists. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, is triggering for them, but it's also they they suddenly like they just you just they lose interest and you're like eh, all right mm -hmm. see see you later. Um, but but it's it's been it's been this beautiful like guidance because you know the the numbers will begin to arise again for people who who need to hear it, not not people who want to reaffirm that Jake is still a cool guy and he's a cool DJ guy and he's popular, but more for people who um are, are need to hear what I'm here to be of service of you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, the, the, the part of you that has to die off. That's so, okay. So, what has been your, um, I think we're like pretty close up here on time, but what has been your integration? So, how long ago was this and what? Because with, with a psychedelic trip, I, I think it's similar to a psychedelic trip where it's not like, you know, the day after you, you do have these profound things, but it really takes, from what I hear, is months, maybe even mm -hmm. years of integration of understanding, okay, here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to that moment. Here's how it connects to my life when I was a child. Here's how uh, it will make my actions going forward. So what was the integration process after taking this ayahuasca for you? Yeah, so I took it in December a year ago. I don't know the exact, was it 2021-ish? Yeah, yeah. Um, coming home was interesting because it was cold, right? And it's kind of interesting to come home to my partner because he was like, trying, I'm trying to explain it to him and trying to like, you know, explain that I'm different, you know, but then it'd be like, I would have those moments of still being triggered. And he'd be like, well, I thought you're different. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like me too. Okay. Like, I, I promise I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, but honestly, the integration for my mom was really hard because she wasn't living in her alignment. For me, I already was kind of living in alignment before I left. So it was really easy for me to, to keep going. I was already, I already was on that path. I was already doing Reiki. I was already like, on alignment. So it wasn't mm -hmm. as much of a hard transition for me, but watching my mom, like, because she didn't know about child trafficking. She didn't know about this, this, all the, all the, the reason I bring that up is because that's shattering to people who don't know about that yet. Right. She didn't know about all this darkness in the world. And she got super deep into like conspiracies after. So she's like, did you know about this? Did you know about this? And we mm -hmm. lived together. So she said, did you know that this? And I said, I know all of these things. Mm -hmm. Not that I know everything, but I'm like, I've already. So it was interesting because yeah. I, for me, it honestly showed me how much work I've already done. I'm always a work in progress. Um, but it also showed me how mm, aligned I am to hold space for people's healing mm. because I, ayahuasca was really easy for me. I could do it every day. It wasn't challenging for me. There's moments of, but I, I just, I have such a deep trust and conviction to whatever created us you know, again, not that I'm really, you know, but I, I don't know when you hit this point in your life and your journey where you just kind of quit questioning it and you just know it. That's mm -hmm. kind of what ayahuasca did for me. It just, it just is. 
Mm. I can channel the universe's energy. It just is. People keep showing up. Mm. I get new clients every day. People are calling me, asking me to do this, helping them to do that. Like, it just is. It honestly mm. just brought this inner awareness of like, yeah, you're in alignment. Good job. Mm. Good job. That's yeah. kind of what I felt like. Yay, you're doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like you already knew, but like the universe said, you, you know, you're doing good. Keep going, you know, yeah. to, to loop it back to the beginning of what we were talking about with Christianity. I mean, you know, in, in the Bible, he talks, Jesus is not acting as Jesus. It's God acting through Jesus. Yes. And that's this thing of life can become this series of, of coincidences and mm. knowings without your mind and understandings without words mm -hmm. um and um um you know life is painted you, you know time itself is actually unwound in in these instances of allowing god or whatever this thing is to move through you and, and be through mm -hmm. you and, and, and you become one with god you know um yeah, yeah so Oh my gosh. I, I wish we could talk forever, but I, 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 need, I need to let you go, Jay. So um, thank you. One so more thing much. on that. Okay. Please, I have yeah. one thing to talk about because if you about the Bible, I also had a lot of resistance with that, but we are create God creator loved so much that he, she wanted to experience it in flesh. That's, that's what I feel about us being here on 3d heaven or whatever realm we couldn't touch. There's no sex. There's no food. There is no, mm. it just was right. And there was no questions. There was no mystery. It wasn't fun. And that's what I come down. Like, it's fun to be a human. Like, I don't know everything. How fun is that? I don't mm. actually know. I get to eat. I get a hug. I get a feel. Oh, People on the other side don't have that. They don't have yeah. touch. Yeah. Like they don't feel that. So that's another reason to have fun, like to be thankful that we do get to experience that and that whatever it is loves us so much mm. that we get to actually experience that love. And when you let that love in, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, I th think about like the first time that you fell in love. I mean, maybe you didn't mm. even feel it so much at that moment. But like I can, I can sit and just really like envision the first time that I truly felt love or like the first time that someone like told me that they loved me and I truly understood it and felt it. Yeah. And like, I can't even imagine this is beyond words. It's this gift that, that like, wow, wow. I'm able to experience that. And like, there's these celestial beings who like know so much, but like if they didn't go through the third density, like they wouldn't be able to experience that. Wow. What a gift indeed. Like to, to, yeah. To, 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 to feel be able love in, in flesh form yeah that's yeah, love is the only itself. thing that's real yeah love is the only thing that's real the answer is love yeah thank you so much it was uh, so fun jay yeah okay we, we totally have to do this again um if you would you, we'll, we'll talk outside of this but um i i would love to um, um talk about death with with you i think we could have yes. a beautiful conversation around death um it's something that uh it's been a lot of my path and again i, I just thank you. you you've always been a space for me to be open mm -hmm. um you've always been you know you came to my my house in castle rock and, and uh uh you were like one of the you walked in and you're like wow thank you for for allowing me into your mind you know you said something along those lines and it made me feel very like okay wow i don't feel so like crazy and nutty you know i feel 
just a scene for who I am, you know. And so, yeah. so I, I've, I, I greatly appreciate everything that you've done within our friendship and everything that you're doing for, you know, the planet and in service of everyone. And um, I, so sometimes I get caught up in, in a little bit of daydreams about the future of seeing like how powerful you are, in 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 the the future. The the future is is bright and beautiful, and I think there's a lot of people who uh, will be hearing there's a lot of ears that will be thankful for your voice in the future and i know it to be true you too thank you so much for holding space always holding space in the ways we've known how and just yeah like not getting not getting those numbers and everything and i've always told you like this is you just gotta trust and and believe and when you're doing it of service it will touch those you know most great artists don't even get recognized till they're dead anyway speaking of death you know and leaving your mark leaving your mark that's here to help and rippling out for generations you know mm. so thank you so much for having me and all that you do and just showing up and being of service you know it, it takes it takes a special individual to to actually be of service and to choose that mm. to actually choose that right so thank mm. you it's cool that you ended on that because uh yeah I've, I've had recent synchronicities with with choosing and uh you know basically like giving myself up to service of, of God for whatever that means, you know, so I've had those experiences lately. So Jay, we'll be in touch. I love you so yes, much. Listeners, so much love, love yourself. Please reach out, uh, check out Jay. Uh, what is your Instagram handle again? Uh, Cosmic Mermaid. Please follow Jay on Instagram. <laughs> She's a wonderful follow. She posts great things every day and she also has a link tree with a bunch more things. If you're in town and need some Reiki healing, um, I, th I think you d don't underestimate Reiki healing and just the, <laughs> the way that you feel when you're with Jay and the way you feel afterwards. You. Um, so it's just wonderful. Love yourself. Uh, I love you guys. See you later, Jay. Have a good rest of your day, bye, my friend. Bye, Jay. Thank you. Bye-bye. with ourselves. Thank you.